Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Check, check. Check one, two, one, two. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah. I was just saying how I'm a little nervous, right? And... I believe it may have been Kim Kardashian that said, if you're nervous, that means you're about to do something amazing. So, I first met Lauren Bellis when I hired her back in early 2016 as I was launching the US operations of a French company. We worked very closely together for years and became friends. From the very beginning, she shared her absolute passion for real estate, which honestly became super handy the day we started looking for a new space as we were expanding our team. Since then, I myself became serious about getting a house to live in and she became my real estate agent, which means that we spent many, many, many weekends together. In the most competitive areas of the country, listings stay on the market for 24 to 48 hours tops. People offer way over asking, in the triple digit over asking. And in many instances, they waive inspection, all the while never ever stepping foot in the actual house. Is real estate in America broken? Are we in a crisis? With the crazy interest rates around 5-6% to 6 these days, is it still a good idea to buy a house? Today I want to talk about this, the real estate challenges that we're facing with Lauren Bellis, on top of being a good friend. Lauren Bellis is a real estate agent in Massachusetts, a real estate investor, and a real estate coach. I am Anne-Fleur Angeli. You're listening to Chez Anne-Fleur. So how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is so nice. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I think my first question is... Are we in a real estate crisis, Lauren? I don't think it's a crisis and by any means. And I mean, I know it's we're in a frustrating place, especially for buyers right now. Um, and the term real estate crisis is really extremist, right? And dramatic. Yeah, very dramatic. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a crisis because I think we're in a place in 2022 um, that has better structures, um, you know, politically and, and um, systematically than we did in, say, you know, um, 2007, 2008 during the, you know, Great Recession. It's more of a frustrating market than a crisis. And again, mostly for buyers, you know, sellers are in a great place now where they're, you know, able to sell and really capitalize on maximizing their their profits and, and selling. And we're seeing less cash buyers today than we were, say, a year ago. and um, But I definitely wouldn't define it as a crisis. Um, I can see why people would feel afraid, maybe, for, for what's going to happen next. You, we keep hearing, is it a bubble? Is the bubble going to burst? And, and if you talk to a lot of experts in real estate, we don't feel that way. We feel it's going to, the market will regulate before it mm. will crash. You're talking about a frustrating uh, situation. What is the situation? I think the best way to... to describe the 
frustrating situation in, in real estate um, is, uh, you know, a mismatch of supply and demand, right? So right now, um, there's more buyers than there are houses to buy. Um, so that looks like basic economics tells us that um, a, scarce, a scarcity in any um, market results in raised prices, all else being equal, right? So we're seeing more buyers that are in a financial place to purchase houses Mm -hmm. really than ever before, right? Which is a great thing. That means that families are able to make more money. They're able to save more. They have better credit scores. They're able to buy houses. Um, But our supply can't keep up with that demand. And what supply looks like is current home owners aren't selling their houses fast enough to keep up with buyers. Current home developers aren't able to build houses fast enough to keep up with demand. Um, and what that does is it raises prices, right? So now it brings us to a place where those home buyers that are in a better place, space to buy aren't able to buy as much house. Um, and then, you know, again, government action. So we're seeing interest rates rising. And, and that is a tool that our government is using to fight inflation to, you know, in a, in a way help stabilize some of the this mismatch in supply and demand that we're seeing in, mm-hmm. in the housing market. So... To simplify what that means, um, the interest rates rise, which means it makes it more expensive to borrow money. So buyers aren't able to afford to buy as much as they previously could. Uh, you know, your your mortgage is made up of your the principal, interest, taxes, uh, and your insurance, right? And for that principal and interest piece, you know, uh, your principal goes directly towards the amount of money you borrowed for the home and that interest is based on that rate. So once the interest rate rises, your monthly mortgage payment rises and you're no longer able to afford um, that higher that higher monthly payment essentially. So the um, not crisis but the difficult situation, the challenging situation. Um, I don't know if it's as easy as that. Maybe I'm oversimplifying but like is it uh, coming from people having more means to buy a house and so many more, you know, than uh, years before? Or is it coming from the lack of inventory or is it like a, he- I don't know if it's healthy, but like a balance? <laughs> it's a combination of, of, yeah. of both things or, or, or many things really. So there's so, it's such a multifaceted, you know, phenomenon. And when you think about um, all of the um, roles there are to play, so you have the seller, you have the buyer, you have the lenders that are, are um, you know, offering multiple different types of right. products. You have real estate agents and brokers that are facilitating deals. And, you know, depending on your state, you have title companies and, and lawyers and there's um, home inspectors. There's so many different players um, in our space that impact the process of, of buying a home mm-hmm. and selling a home. Um, so we can't really we can't really say that one one element, you know, um, nothing nothing in this process is an, is an island. We're all really right. so interdependent on, okay. on everything else. I'm a buyer right now, and I have been feeling this frustration for years, actually. We've been on the look for two years. Um, so I like to look at this as sort of like a, a criminal investigation. Mm. Who's benefiting from the crime? Mm, for <laughs> sure. Definitely the sellers, right? For sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> sellers are benefiting. Um, lenders are benefiting. Um, you know, but... but uh, you know, as a think about kind of put yourself in the in the seller's shoes mm-hmm. right now, right? Um, 
if you own, if you bought a house 20 years ago, or say you bought a house 30 years ago, your mortgage is paid off, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You're in a space where your house, the value of your house has skyrocketed. You never thought you would get this much for your house. So you put it on the market. Um, You work with a great, you know, real estate agent that gives you guidance on what you should sell your house, put it listed on the market for and should you paint should you you know take professional pictures should you do a you know have a drone fly over your house and take really cool videos and you have all these options to list it online you can get your house viewed by more people than ever just because of the phenomenon that is social media and and online marketing um and once buyers see these houses sellers are able to receive multiple offers you know Mm -hmm. we're seeing 20 plus offers on on a single residence and it gives them the pick of the litter they can take take the top dollar they can take the cash buyer that is going to you know close in a couple of weeks versus a month plus mm. and you know and then what they're buying the money they get from the proceeds of this sale they they have options right so now they can downsize maybe because they're empty nesters and they want to go buy a condo downtown so they can you know put a larger down payment or buy cash for, you know, um, less square footage or, um, you know, put the rest of that money in their retirement and live off of it. So yeah, sellers are winning in this market for sure. Do we have a sense of uh, when this started? Like, I know we're kind of on an all-time high in terms of uh, the challenge. That's not a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, uh, does this correlate with the beginning of the pandemic? Was it already challenging before? Like, do it was challenging before the, yeah. before the pandemic, for sure. We were so unsure what was going to happen um, with the pandemic on so many different levels, right? right? And um, just taking a look at home prices, they continued on that up- upward trajectory that they were starting before the pandemic. Rent prices. We really thought rent prices would fall more, but they, they you know, stumbled momentarily and, and really just came back with a vengeance, you know. Is that true in Boston that remains a super competitive yeah. uh, market or is it national? You know, n- nationally for sure, but I would say everything we're seeing in the national market is times, I don't want to give it times 10 or mm. time, you know, multiplied, right. um, you know. And then some in, Boston? in the Boston market and market, uh, market markets like Boston. So anywhere right. where you're seeing a tech hub, um, hospitals, jobs, wherever, where uh, um, universities, wherever there are these um, areas that are historically sought after. Now, currently not not as sought after. We're mm-hmm. seeing pe- we're seeing mass exoduses in L.A. and New York and uh, Boston. Well, really do. Uh, a lot to the pandemic because now people are working remotely and they're able to, you know, move to warmer climates and and work by the beach while they're, while they're working from home. But there's still such, you know, such demand in those urban centers because of jobs, because of universities that, um, you know, we don't necessarily see that trend trend going away. Interesting. And so I'm sure you have not only seen me and Mike, but buyers tend to get pretty desperate. Like, you know, like it's uh, it's, it's insanely frustrating. Sellers can take advantage of that. Um, how many houses did we see <laughs> where you only have like, what, eight, ten minutes to see oh a 2,000 square feet house um, and six hours to make an offer that would stand out uh, of the 20 plus uh, offers? For sure. Um, 
what are some crazy things that buyers uh, do to remain competitive? Wow, that's a good days? question. Yeah, and as you're saying this, I'm thinking I just last night and uh, saw a video on social media. I didn't reshare it. I probably should go now, reshare it. But um, it was um, a home buyer, this gentleman and his real estate agent, another gen gentleman, and they're literally running full speed. Look at this kitchen; it's so nice. Oh, I love this bedroom. They dive on the bed and they run into the other room. They slide that's like they're playing baseball. Feels, right? <laughs> it really does. Um, what a what a visual for um, the feeling that is looking at houses as a buyer in this market right now, right? So You feel like it's almost a privilege that people are making, offering you, that they're showing you the house Thank for six so minutes. Thank you so much for letting me look at your house. Before really I buy it. Would. And I mean, if you're able to, so, okay, to answer your question, number one, timing. If you can get in the door first, if there's ever an opportunity to see the house the day, the day it gets listed, you can submit an offer before everyone else. It kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage because it creates this uh, almost an emotional um, um, event that occurs with with the seller. It's their first offer that they received. Mm. Um, you can put an expiration date on it and say, you know, you only have um, 24, 48 hours to respond to this. So then, well, the seller can feel like, oh, what if I miss out on this offer? I don't know if I'm going to get a better offer. Is this the best offer I'll get? And then I'll miss out on it. So it kind of creates that emotional um you know, experience for the seller. So that's pure selling tactics right there. Oh, You're absolutely. selling your offer. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And really, that's what it is. I mean, we're, as a real estate agent, it doesn't always feel this way, but we are, we're selling, right? We're selling our buyer to the to the seller. We're, we're selling, um, you know, an offer. We're, we're selling the financing, everything, mm -hmm. you know, a whole, that whole package there, right? So yeah, I think timing is really critical. Now we're also seeing um, a shift from the ability to do that in that oftentimes, especially in the in the Boston or the greater Boston market, we'll see a listing agent will list a house, you know, on a, you know, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, whatever the case may say may be, and they'll say open house Saturday and Sunday from eleven to two. Offers are due Tuesday at noon. Please give us twenty four hours to respond. So now this kind of levels the playing field and it takes that timing element out of mm. Uh, the equation, right? So it makes it easier for buyers because you can go to all the open houses that weekend, make a decision on which house you want to put an offer on. You can take your time to, you know, if you have any last minute questions for, for your lender or uh, you want to think about, you know, your budget mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be, it gives it gives the buyer and their real estate agent some time to craft an offer mm -hmm. offer that has a higher you know chance of being accepted right but it takes away that that little um element of um of timing that i just discussed that it's, it's nice to be the, the first yeah. the first you know offer in the door right fortunately and unfortunately there's pros and cons mm -hmm. there for that kind of new phenomenon of having the that set deadline for offers um so now some other elements that help buyers get accepted offers aren't great, right? So it's it's tough. And I hate I hate speaking on this because you don't want to give bad advice. It's always up to the buyer and, and what of they course. feel, what level of risk that they want to take. But in this market, we're seeing buyers that are waiving inspections. They're trying to minimize the number of contingencies, period, right? So, so contingency being like a milestone in the closing process that would give you an out as a buyer. Basically. Yeah, and, and not only that, just um, would be to the favor of the buyer, right? So a contingency of, yes, this will offer you X dollars if you, you know, fix the, the broken back porch, right? Well, um, 
if the seller has another offer for the same amount of money or even a little bit less and they don't have to fix, fix the porch, they'll probably go with that one because mm. they have the, the ability to do so because there are, you know, multiple. So many offers. Exactly. Right. So, um, that being said, so um, if you do decide as a buyer to waive the inspection just to increase the, um, you know, um, competitiveness of your offer, I always, please, please, please make sure you do get a home inspection at some point, even if it's after closing, because now you're the homeowner, you we have this property, you, have. you need to know exactly, you have to be a responsible, you know, homeowner and make a punch list of, you know, well, it needs new roof in 10 years that'll cost you know however however 30,000 whatever the case may be um I can save x dollars over the over the next few years and it, you know the foundation needs to be repointed whatever issues that as it, especially as first time home buyers that aren't familiar with you know any of these mm-hmm. maintenance issues because they've always had landlords or family members take care of them you know the issues for them so I think that's really important now we're also seeing because of this newer phenomenon of so many cash buyers and so many larger down payment buyers. Where do they get all this money well, from? Well, <laughs> they sold their house, right? But a so, lot of them sold their house and they have all this money to, right. to play with, right? But we, there must be a big chunk of first-time homeowner as well, right? Well, absolutely, yeah. So it's 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 tough because this is what the competition is, right? Mm-hmm. And it yeah. really is. It's I, I hate to think of it as competition, especially for me personally, because I try my best to be a low-pressure um, real estate buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. I, you there's already so much pressure in the world from the pandemic, war, mm-hmm. every yeah. cr- financial crisis, everything so stressful all the time. I try my best to find a way to make the home buying process a little bit less stressful, but it's stressful. There's, I mean, it's a competitive space. So, buyers that are 100% cash or have a high percentage of cash that they're paying. One of the obviously it makes it more marketable to to the seller, but why, right? What's the difference if I'm offering the same amount of money and I have financing? Well, first of all, if you have financing, if a if a bank tells you that they're willing to lend to you, that doesn't mean you're going to make it to closing. Something might happen in the meantime. What can happen? Well, there are so many things you can um, take out a new credit card <laughs> and use it to buy tons of new furniture, and your credit score drops, right? And then oh, now you're in another bracket, and we can't we can't lend you that amount of money, or your interest rate goes up. You can no longer afford that um, payment so they can't lend you the money. That being said, if you are in the process of buying a house, please don't take out any new credit cards. <laughs> don't take out any new credit cards. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm taking don't, notes. <laughs> don't quit your job. Please don't quit your job. Yeah. You know, um, don't get yourself fired. <laughs> right? I mean, there's uh, you have to keep that same picture that you brought to the lender originally right, when they approved you. When you exactly when mm-hmm. you bring, when you make it to closing, and even if you do have the same that same picture. They might find something that they didn't know was there. They missed during mm-hmm. the pre-approval process. Maybe there was an inquiry on there on your report that they didn't notice. Something that happened to me recently is I, you know, we had an issue where on the credit report there was an inquiry that was for a small business loan that, um, or for a small business credit card that brought to light that there was a small business loan that wasn't on the individual's mm. uh, social security number. Um, so it did potentially cause an issue and we're still, you know, on our, our, our way to closing. But, you know, there's 
anything can happen yeah. when, when it comes to the closing process. So it is a little bit more of a risk that the seller is taking, knowing that the buyer has to make it through financing mm-hmm. all the way. Additionally, with cash buyers and high cash, high, high down payment um, mm-hmm. buyers, there's also this issue of the appraisal, right? So a lender will order an appraisal to ensure that the value of the house is sufficient to back their investment. Because in a worst case scenario, if a buyer defaults on their loan, um, and is unable to move forward with any remediation from um, financial issues um, with the loan, the bank's only option is to foreclose on the property, which means they'll eventually sell the property, which um, they'll use the funds from that sale to cover the loan, right? So that appraisal is a way that they can kind of hedge the risk of lending to this buyer. So it's an assessment of the value of the, of the exactly. property? Exactly, yep. So it's an independent assessment by an individual um, appraiser who mm-hmm. takes a look at the market as a, as a whole and, and, you know, other houses that have sold in the area that have the same number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, type of house. They, they have this big system that they go through to determine what the value of this property should be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the bank or the, the lender determines what the val- the true value of the house from this one assessment of, of the value of mm-hmm. the real estate, right? Now, a cash buyer doesn't have an, have an appraisal, and a seller knows this, so mm-hmm. that's one less thing that they have to worry about. And if a, a, a buyer um, is putting a, such a large down payment that it works out as such that, that the lender, uh, their ratios um, do not require them to have an appraisal, um, having a large down payment is also, you know, just just right. as that minimizes exactly, again. exactly. We're also seeing now buyers that are financing. They're putting their twenty percent down, their you know five um, percent down, whatever the case may be. They're writing language in on their offers to satisfy some of the risk that the seller is taking in accepting their offer because of the um, appraisal. So they're saying, you know, they will put $5,000 cash towards the appraisal gap. Some are saying that they'll waive, you know, they'll, they will pay the appraisal gap in full. And again, it puts them in a space where they're, they're ha- they have to use their cash that they would yeah. have other, otherwise used for just having reserves to mm. ensure that they're, you know, have savings for an emergency or they were going to use to buy that furniture that they're going to wait until after closing to buy or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. So it, it is, um, it's, it's difficult. It puts buyers in a position that um, is much more challenging than it, than it was previously for buyers. And that's because, again, right. due to that supply and demand, there's only so many houses for them to buy. So... Last time Mike and I were about to put an offer on a house uh, in the greater Boston area, you told me about some ways that some uh, prospective buyers are making their offers more competitive, some kind of crazy ways, kind of out of the ordinary, at least it seemed to me. (laughs) Can you tell me about it? Yeah, and this reminds me of on social media, all these memes that they're doing now of... um if you want the seller to accept your offer, um, offer to pay, you know, the next 10 years of, of their Netflix fees or you can babysit their their kids every Saturday. Don't do that. That's just memes on the Internet. One example, and it's not really crazy. It's just different. So sellers are required to get a smoke cert from the from the uh, in the state of Massachusetts. So um, every town. 
um, their fire department or a designated, you know, officer um, would have to come to the property and inspect to ensure that their uh, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide okay. detectors are to code, right? Mm-hmm. The seller and their agent, or their agent rather, will schedule the appointment. Um, they'll pay a fee. Representative from the, the town's fire department comes out and they inspect to make sure everything, all the smoke and, and carbon monoxide detectors are, are to code. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll provide them with a literal certificate and they need that to get to closing. Or they'll do the inspection and they'll find out oh, these you know, items are to code and you have to get them to code. And then they had to come back out and reinspect. And the, the whole process, you know, it's just one last little hurdle that you have to get through, right? And it could be a little bit of a pain. So I have had my buyers write in that buyers responsible for um, any costs associated with the, the smoke certificate. And I would volunteer my time to um, actually go and, and do the, the smoke certificate, meet the um, representative for mm-hmm. that. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another example of some out-of-the-box ideas. I actually had a listing agent just recently told me that they received an offer that said they would give an additional $5,000 cash, non-refundable, um, not a deposit, just a cash gift, essentially, as part of the purchase and sale process. And I'm not sure if that's even legal. Check with your lawyer. That's, <laughs> that was the first time I've even heard of that. Like um, Vegas money? <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? So, I mean, this is um, I, this is in no means my recommendation My recommendation to do that. Again, check with your lawyer for, for legality of that there. So, definitely some out-of-the-box mm-hmm. ideas that, you know, people... Another you know, really good idea is to find out what the the seller's um, preferences are for closing, right? Because you assume, oh, the sooner we can get to closing, the better. But maybe not. Maybe the seller is in the process of, you know, buying a new home and, and they'd like to do a lease back where they can, you can go to closing and then they rent out the house for, you know, a couple of weeks afterwards in case there's a delay with a new build or maybe they're moving across the country and, and they have to coordinate with the moving truck or, you know, it, it's communication is really key when it comes to um, right. having a crafting an offer that increases the, the chances of, of it being accepted. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things. Work with your real estate agent and they can give you some great um, ideas depending on your, your localized market of what might be the best options to get an accepted offer. With that being said, and um, ever increasing interest rates, is this still a good time to buy these days? I would say it is absolutely still a good time to buy. You know what the best time to buy is when you're ready to buy. Mm-hmm. You can't really allow the, the market to dictate your life, right? right? So if you're if you're in a space where you're financially, you are financially ready to buy a house and it is a transitional time in your life where it makes sense for you to move from where you're currently living and, and purchase an, a new home, now is the best time to do that. Rates are still historically low. They're, you know, a little, little over 5% here. They're substantially higher than they were a year ago. But you need to remember, uh, I don't know, 2018, I think it was November, rates were 4.9%. We can go back to the 80s and talk about, you know, double-digit rates. And we don't know where they're going to go, if, mm-hmm. if they'll go up and down, or it might not be the best time to refinance because you're, it's the rates higher than, you know, um, what you bought at. But there's some sticker shock right now that we're seeing to rates that are mm-hmm. that are scaring off some buyers. Um, and there are people that feel, oh, this is a good thing because there's, uh, there's too many buyers. We need to regulate the market. And having less buyers right now is good because that means instead of 20 offers per house, we'll only get 10 offers or mm-hmm. five offers eventually per house. And and I, do, I, I 
my heart bleeds for my buyers. I feel the pain that they're going, even though it's not my pain, I, I empathize so mm-hmm. strongly with them. And, and I do, you know, I, all I want for them is to just get an accepted offer in a house that they love, right? Mm-hmm. That being said, now is the time to buy in a price point that you can afford. And that's something that, that your lender, your mortgage broker can help you with. You take a look at what your income is, what your expenses are, and and what they're willing to lend to you. And then you take a time, take some time with your family to determine if the amount, the top dollar that they're, they're the lender is willing to lend to you um, fits your budget. Because maybe it doesn't. Maybe your they, they uh, your lender doesn't know your lifestyle. Maybe you, I don't know. You have an expensive. You collect I don't know uh, um, memorabilia from your favorite band mm-hmm. or or whatever the case may be. Or you have a very expensive coffee habit or. <laughs> You know, the, you want to make sure that that monthly payment that your lender is quoting you, you can afford, right? So now, now that you understand what your price point is, sometimes you have to expand your expectations because it is such an expensive market right now. Maybe that single family house doesn't work. Maybe a condo is a, the the right first step for you and your family because owning a condo um, is better than renting because you're building equity in that property. Prices are rising, and eventually, when you go to sell that condo, you may be able to make a profit and use that—that uh, that you pay down your mortgage every month, you build your equity, and the valuation of the house increases. And then, you know, two, five years, whatever the case may be, you sell the condo, and you go buy buy that house that you really wanted. It could be a step in the direction that you want to go, or maybe it means expanding, you know, geographically your your search region. Maybe you can't afford to buy, you know, that condo in downtown Boston. I know I can't, right? So maybe you have to look in the suburbs mm-hmm. or maybe even a little bit further out than than really made sense. But especially now with so many people able to, you know, work virtually, it makes a little bit more sense to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to answer your question, it is still very much a good time to buy. You just right. have to be realistic with your expectations in buying. One thing that we actually didn't talk about is um, the bidding wars that are insane. (laughs) For sure, it is. And again, adding to that, it's not a crisis, it's just a stressful situation, right? It's insanely stressful. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I mean, you know, again, it's these sellers, uh, sellers of homes are in a position. and it, I, it, by no means is it malicious whatsoever. It's mm-hmm. just where they're at in this process. Mm-hmm. When you sell a house, if you have 15 serious buyers come in and put offers on your lap, well, can you? that must be a stressful thing to have to deal with as a seller to have. I mean, exciting mm-hmm. and that's great. But now you have to go through and think about these 15 offers. And I'll tell you, there's. I've had so many situations where I had this one buyer who... I was looking to buy um, a condo in a complex where a family member also lived in the complex. And we looked at tons of other condo, you know, um, complexes. But, oh, wouldn't that be great to be able to buy a a condo that's I could walk to go see my family, right? So we got really excited. Obviously, there's that, um, you know, emotional element. Mm -hmm. There is always an emotional element in buying a house. But specifically for this, oh, this was the one for him, right? And the seller had... Again, I don't know how it was ten plus offers, and his wasn't the highest offer. And there was the seller was still torn because he knew the story. Um, the seller mm. knew the story of the buyer and and, and wanted to uh, just felt bad because they wanted to give them a chance, but it wasn't the best decision for that seller, right? Mm-hmm. So I say this time and time again because the uh, the seller um, 
needs to do what's financially best for them too. Just, mm. just, just as we would, if, if, right. you know, as a, as a buyer, as, as, you know, um, you know, if you were, you know, 10 years after you buy, you, you're selling your house. Right. You want to make sure you're in, in making the best financial decision for yourself as well. But it is stressful. It's, it's hard because you don't, you don't know what the top offer is going to be. Right. So again, work with your real estate agent. They should be able to give you guidance and crafting an offer and setting an offer amount that um, is reasonable for the mm. market. And what I do for my clients, for my buyer clients, is I analyze the market data. So I'll take a look again, just like the appraiser does. I take a look at the similar houses in, in the area, the same bedroom, bathrooms, whatever the case may be. Um, and I come up with a range of about what that uh, house, I, in my professional opinion, mm. will sell for. Um, and you know, then it's up to the buyer to determine what makes the most sense for them. I can give them some guidance as they're thinking about it. And I hate to say it, but oftentimes it means, well, take a look at that, you know, that top offer that you're thinking about putting in. Odds are the next buyer, at least one of those 10 other buyers is thinking about putting that offer too. So Mm. it might make sense to increase it by 5,000, six, six, maybe 6,000 because one other person thinks to increase it by 5,000 or I have buyers that are going down to the the dollars. So they're, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much of a difference that makes, but I I won't say no and it can't hurt to try. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's stressful. There are strategies that you can use to help you get to be one of those top offers. And I'll tell you probably 90% of the time, the feedback that I get from my listing agents is either congratulations, we have an accepted offer or your offer was one of the top three offers, but we had to go with the cash, hundred percent cash or the high down payment or someone just, just barely, you know, out, out, outbid you there. And oftentimes we won't find out what that amount is until they get to closing. That's something that's nice actually in the US is that you can see how much a house did sell for. Well, it's public data, yeah, right? So yeah. it's it, it's public information that anybody. It's not can as easily available really, in France. No, really, yeah. So and I, I get that. And there's I feel like there should be a more, in my personal opinion, <laughs> I feel like there should be some a higher level of privacy right. for home, especially names and contact information mm-hmm. for you know when you think about you know. Um, domestic violence even to be able to just go online and look up you know someone's name so i I do feel like there should be a little bit more um, privacy Mm. in in public information for home buyers but it is a helpful tool for you know um buyers to find out that information so they Mm. can take a look historically you know oh well you know the gap between the amount i'm offering and the sale price um is lessening over time because i'm getting a little bit more aggressive with my strategy and 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 putting an offer so it can definitely be a help, helpful tool. Right. It takes time, I think, mm. what it is. So, and everyone's different. So, uh, you know, every buyer's needs are different. And um, it's really important to work with your real estate agent to find a strategy that works for getting an accepted offer. And sometimes that means... You know, you have to you have to go through this process with as a home buyer, and I allow my home buyers the space to do this. Not all real estate agents are, are willing to to do this, but I I'll let them look at their first house. They're ready to put in an offer. They want to put in less, a little bit less than the listing price, um, and I'll give them the numbers. I'll give them the data. 
Um, and they, you know, they're, no, they think this is the, the, the amount they're not willing to go over. So we'll put in the offer. They want to put in the, you know, an inspection and they have contingencies. So they will work together. And I give them the feedback of based on my opinion and based on my experience in your market at this price point for this house, you're going to see an offer that is, you know, waving A, B and C and is putting an offer at this amount. Right. And we'll still put in that offer and it will get rejected. And I always ask the listing agent for that feedback. I'll say, you know, I'm working with a new buyer. Can you please give me some specific feedback so I can share, share it with them. And we, there's some real camaraderie between, um, real estate agents. Mm -hmm. I would say probably, I don't want to give a percentage, but a high percentage of real estate agents know that we're a team. We're working together here. Um, and the feedback that I get from the majority of listing agents can be really helpful. So I'll mm. take that. They'll say, you know, I can't give you an amount that, that we accepted, but I'll tell you it, it's, it is, there is a gap between the offer that you, your off, um, you know, your client did. The, uh, the accepted offer has a larger down payment, a larger deposit. Um, they're waiving contingencies. And then I'll go back and I'll have that conversation with my buyer. Um, so for some buyers, it just takes some time to, get through that, go get over that learning curve right. um, to kind of break that sale of comfort of, of putting in that first couple of offers. And, and then they really, I really, you're right. I have to waive this. I have to offer more. And, 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 you know, once, once I feel like once we get over that hump, the, that duration of time really shortens. Right. So depending on the buyer and their comfort level in regards to that amount of risk they're willing to take, really has a high is a high correlation to the amount of time until they get an accepted offer. And so where do you see this going? Oh, who knows, right? I mean, <laughs> like it's it's where real estate really you know, there's speculation in real estate, right? Um, you hear you hear people going in every direction. Um, I'll tell you, we did get um, an interesting statistic for the month of May. The number of new listings that hit the market in the U.S. rose by 8%. So buyers are starting to see uh, more inventory to choose from in the co coming months, we're hoping. Um, so again, that has some... Still not a huge bump. <laughs> oh, not at all, by any means. But it's heading in the other direction now. Right. And I don't think we're going to see it skyrocket up. We'll probably see it increase a little, plateau, maybe increase a little bit more. Just like I don't see, you know, housing prices drop down, in, in, you know, um, like that bubble burst that we're, that we're talking about. I don't see that at all. I see the market, personally, in my professional opinion, I see the market regulating, right? We're going to start to see less intense bidding wars. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll probably see, you know... Um, slightly more inventory to buyers, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see, you know, maybe instead of 20 offers, we'll start to see closer to five offers per house. And and that, I, I see that that trend, you know, right. um, more regulation will hit a plateau for a while. And, you know, people always say, oh, what, you know, I don't, I don't want to buy now because the houses, the prices are going to drop. It's going to happen any day. Mm -hmm. Well, they said that last year. They said that the year before. Right. And a lot of people that said that now wish that they had bought two years ago, mm -hmm. right? So if you take a step back and you look at the data, they have, you can look at a graph of home, um, average home sale prices in the U.S. Yeah. or in your local market. And you'll see over time, it is an upward trajectory. There'll be ups and downs, yeah. but that, that, you know, houses that were selling for $20,000, you know, a hundred years ago are selling for, you know, $500,000 today. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
it's 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 definitely a time um, driven market mm-hmm. and um, I don't you know even if there were a, a huge dip in prices they will go up again right over time so although I don't for, I really don't foresee that happening I do think that re- the market will regulate. Any uh, last word of wisdom? I would say don't be intimidated by the buying or the selling process. It's exactly the word. It's yeah. It's insanely intimidating. It is intimidating. And trust the fact that there are professionals that do this every day. I love what I do. I, I've been totally obsessed with real estate for forever, right? <laughs> like I, even as a kid, I remember wanting to, I didn't want to be a real estate agent or a real estate investor. I didn't even really know what that was, but I would watch home improvement shows with my father and he would teach me about like how to fix things in the house and my mom too. And, you know, I, I over time just had more and more of an appreciation for real estate and now I love it. Right. So uh, I'm a real estate professional. I do this every day. Buyers don't buy houses every day. You'll go through the process for a few months, for a few years, depending on how long it takes you. And then you'll, then you'll live in your house every day and you won't think about it until you're ready to sell. So I would say the process is intimidating for you, but the, rely on the professionals right. that are, we're, we're so good at what we do. Um, if you want to call me, I'll help you. I can refer you to someone in any state. We, are, we have team members across the country. And um, if you know someone in your family that is a real estate agent, give them a call. If you have a close friend that's a real estate agent, please give them your business. Um, don't hit the button on, um, you know, on these websites and just pick. Red yeah, pick, I'm not going to say it, but whatever. <laughs> whoever they are, don't hit the button. If you know someone personally, give them a call. Give them your business. They're a small business and, and support support um, mm-hmm. your local support. Your local real estate agent we're really good at what we do and and we would love to help you so um you know if you feel like you're in a space where you can financially buy start the process now if you feel like you're not in a place where you're financially ready to buy a good real estate agent will either help you themselves or refer you to somebody that can help you work in your budget help you work in your credit score get you to a place where you're ready to buy Mm -hmm. i do um so i provide so i'm a real estate investor myself i i invest in real estate i'm a i'm a real estate agent i help others invest in real estate i'm also a real estate coach and i offer sessions um all everything's online all on zoom where i'll help first-time home buyers get through the home buying process and that we'll talk about the budgeting we'll talk about credit scores all of that i help first-time landlords Uh, i house hack myself i live in one apartment i have amazing tenants in the other apartment and i am a a compassionate landlord and um, i practice compassionate landlording and that's actually a thing i can help teach (laughs) you about that as well so i help first-time landlords and then i also help more seasoned real estate um, professionals come up with a plan to help them um, maximize their prop- profits and mitigate their risk and, and, and take a step back and come up with a um, you know a more co- co- cohesive plan. Right. Um, but so, yeah, my advice is just start the process now because you might uh, regard it if you, if you take too long or you wait too long. There's professionals that are here to help. We'll make the process less intimidating mm-hmm. um, and, and also listen to us because we know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to all this conversation already, you're probably in a good place. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. I hope so. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren. Well, thank you. This was amazing. And um, as always, I love spending time with you and I'm Me happy too. to answer any questions that you may have. And thanks again. Thank you. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was fun.
That's it for today, folks. I really would love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. To be quite frank, this is my first interview in English on one of my podcasts. I've done it for customers, but never for myself. And I am welcoming any feedback you may have. Of course, I want to thank my friend Lauren Bellis for her time and her guidance and all the tips that she shared on today's episode. I hope you find that helpful as well. If you want to hear more, if there are some topics that you'd like for me to cover, please find me on Instagram, AnneFleurosUSA, or on Twitter, AFAndrely, and tell me about it. I'll put all this plus Lauren's contact information in the show notes. Have a wonderful day, and I guess I'll talk to you soon. Stop saying that. <laughs> um, it's called a, a smoke cert. So it's a certificate. Cert- 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 <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.